Oh, yay, that was wonderful. Now I get to do something not as wonderful, but much more fun, a little bit. I mean, Tutu, you're wonderful, but I get to burn my husband a little bit. I'm so excited. So, because um, we're talking about life and color, and Ross makes my life so colorful. <laughs> so, I don't know if anyone else can relate with their partners or spouses, but um, pretty much every day, maybe a few times a day, as frequently as Ross changes, it looks like he's been raptured somewhere in the house because he'll walk into the front door and if he's been surfing or out in the water, they'll just be, I can see where he's been. He's like walked in and clothes have dropped and then he's walked (laughs) but the clothes remain in the pile. It's like there was a human there but now there's just clothes. There's no human, there's just a pile, like perfectly fallen on the ground, can't see the body, can see that there was a body. And then I'll go into the bedroom, (laughs) and there's a door, the bedroom cupboard door is open, and there's another perfectly presented pile of clothes on the floor. (laughs) Stay right there, it's just like a pile of color in my life. And then I walk to the dining room table, and I'm a little bit OCD with like order and arranging, I'm terrible actually. And I don't know why for the life of me, but his socks are on the dining room table. Like his worn socks, not clean socks, his worn socks. Why? Are on the dining room table. I just, I don't know, okay? And then, (laughs) it's getting so exciting. (laughs) Then he's got this thing that he does. This is me just having fun now, it's just amazing. He's got this thing that he does. He cuts his toenails. Wait, just wait. Just wait. This is for all the times. I don't even know if I can tell you this. It's so bad. I'm fine. God loves me. He cuts cuts his toenails. And then he cleans his ear with his toenail. Toenails. I just... And that was me being nice. Like, there's so much other stuff. Tenors, come back for the second service to hear more. <clears throat> so my life is very colorful. And um, every day, we have got this amazing privilege of seeing in color. And I, I mean, most of the time, it's not even something that we think about. It's just something that is happening to us and through us and going on in our bodies. We're walking around. I'm seeing this beautiful array of colors before me. Walk outside, go to the bush, go to the beach. And I'm just going to ask you guys to close your eyes for a second with me. Um, Picture a beautiful hummingbird. And it's got that iridescent dark green, like a jewel. And red and blue, and it shimmers gold in the sunlight. And then you've got the beautiful orange hue of an aloe in your garden. What an unbelievable privilege. Then you've got butterflies, these tiny, tiny, delicate creatures with the most unbelievable colors on their wings, hand-painted. Orchids. Um, Just think of the incredible color, open your eyes, that we see every day. We don't even realize most of the time that we're looking at these exquisite colors So what's amazing, and sometimes we don't actually explore this avenue of the Bible, but a lot of you, if you you frequented church for the last few years, or um, if you know the Word of God, 
There are quite a few references in the Bible to numbers, and um, numbers have meaning, specific meaning in the Word of God, and often reference specific things. So there's almost a secondary meaning to numbers in the Bible. So actually, it's the same with colors, is that you get colors are mentioned in the Bible, believe it or not, pretty much the entire rainbow of colors is mentioned in the, in the Bible, and they too have almost like a secondary meaning. Um, some of them I've written down, and I can give you the scriptural references for all of them, but from a time perspective, I'm not going to give you the references right now. If you were to do a study on colors, you would come up with these connotations throughout the Old and the New Testament. So orange represents the fire of God and deliverance. Pink represents a right relationship with Jesus. Red represents the, the blood of the lamb and the love of God for us. An atonement. Blue represents heaven, healing, and the Holy Spirit. White represents triumph, victory, and purity. Gold represents glory, beauty, and holiness. Purple represents priesthood, kingship, royalty, and wealth. Yellow represents faith, anointing, and healing. What's so amazing, I was just thinking, it's, some, it's almost like I, I wondered a little bit when I was preparing this. I wonder if the things that we see in color, if God has, God's given them a specific color as a connotation to a part of his characteristic, it's like he's actually revealing parts of his quality and who he is through the colors that we see in the world around us. Isn't that amazing? He's reminding us when I look at the beautiful green, emerald green honey, um, hummingbird, he's reminding me of eternity that I was made for eternity, something more than this. So colors are beautiful and powerful, and that's not even the psychological or humanitarian, essentially, side of colors. So in essence, the series that we're doing over the next last week, and I think the next three weeks, we didn't come up with life in color as some pie-in-the-sky phrase or cute poetic language. Life in color is actually a prophetic encouragement to us that God wants us to live a life in color, that he has more color to reveal to the world through our lives. Matthew 5 says this, 3 to 16 in the message version. Let me tell you why you are here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Um, here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this as, uh, help me, as public as a city on a hill, if I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. I love this verse. I just can't get away from it. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. That's what we're here for, friends. We're here to bring out the God colors of this world. That is our purpose. And what are the God colors? Well, as we just said, the God colors represent the qualities and characteristics of God himself. So he actually wants to use us to make more of himself known to the world. Isn't that beautiful? That's our purpose. At Olive Tree, we have four key values that we hold close. 
the things that we wholeheartedly believe as a community that we want to show the world and do. We believe in enjoying God. We believe in loving people. We believe in releasing potential and impacting our community. Last week, Paul spoke a little bit about enjoying God, and this morning I'm going to unpack releasing potential. That us collectively and individually, that when our potential is released, that very thing in Matthew 5 happens, that more of the God colors of the world are made visible to our communities and the people around us. We're going to read a chunk from Haggai this morning, and Haggai is one of the minor prophets in the Old Testament who kind of was a mouthpiece to the people of God. And just a heads up, when we're reading this text, um, there's a phrase that they use, the house of God. And the house of God is synonymous with the temple of God. It's the same thing. The temple of God, kind of in modern day language, would have been the church. In the Old Testament, the temple, or the house of God, was where God's presence resided. So if you wanted to experience the presence of God, you had to go to the temple. Now, because of Jesus, because of the cross, resurrection, his ascension, and the Holy Spirit, we are the temple of God. Scripture says that as collectively and individually, we carry the presence of God. So when we are reading Haggai this morning, I just want you to hold that as a framework, that when you read house of God, that actually that is now us. We are the house of God. Can I ask you guys to do something a little bit different with me? I think it's... um, Wonderful to change it up a bit. Can we stand? I'm going to read the Word of God, and you can either listen or you can read along with me quietly to yourself, out loud, whatever you would preference. Okay, here we go. Haggai 1. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the Word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Josadak the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much but harvested little. You eat but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages, only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house, so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains a ruin. Well, each of you is busy with your own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, and everything else the ground produces, on people and livestock, and on all the labor of your hands. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtel, Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest, And the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord their God had sent him, and the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people, I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest. 
and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people, they came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty their God on the 24th day of the sixth month. And everyone in the house said, Amen. 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 Take a seat. Early in Haggai 1, it says, the temple remained in ruin. The house of God remained in ruin. There was something about the temple, the house of God, us, collectively and individually, that when we're in ruin, it catches God's attention. Something that he doesn't like about us being in ruin. Ruin in the dictionary can be described as the physical destruction or disintegration of something or the state of it being destroyed. Um, Other words for ruin are decay, disrepair, dilapidation, destruction, devastation, damage, demolition, and wreckage. It's when something is reduced to a state of decay and it starts to collapse. I remember two years ago, through the first few months of 2020, feeling like the work that I had been doing for so many years was starting to disintegrate. I remember feeling so fearful and scared of things around me starting to collapse. What's going to happen? I remember the feeling and experience of death happening around me to people I loved. And what it started to do was it started to cause a sense of ruin around me. And in some cases, even within me, as things slowly started to fall into a state of disrepair. Now it's caught God's attention. And I think for most of us here, over the last two, three years, maybe even longer, we have used some of those words in our speech, in our language, in our prayer, our emotions. Those would be some of the words that have colored what we have felt. We have felt in some cases like things are going to ruin. Like the economy has been devastated. Like parts of the country have been disrupted. You know, in June, July last year, there was further ruin. And it was a word that I heard frequently. You know, I um, have the enormous privilege of being part of a center for children with moderate to severe special needs or different needs. And um, when their parents come to us for the first time, it's one of my favorite parts of what I get to do because their parents come and their parents are often in a state of ruin. So they have gone to so many places to try and get help to get intervention or therapy or education or to find someone who understands their child and what their child needs and how their child works and understands the behaviors. And when the parents come, they're actually in an emotional state of ruin. And you know what ruin looks like? Ruin looks like when you're covered in ashes. This is a famous picture from uh, 9-11, from when one of the towers went down. Around her, it was starting to collapse, and she was getting out, and she made it out. But as there was decay and destruction and ruin happening around her, it wasn't necessarily happening to her personally, but it was happening around her, and ruin that was happening around her 
made her end up covered in ashes. She got covered almost as a secondary effect of the ruin happening around her. And sometimes it's not even us that gets covered in dust. Sometimes it's our environment that gets, that becomes a picture of ruin to us. Sometimes it's our personal house. Sometimes it's the spaces that we go in the city that we used to frequent or visit. They've started to become a ruin. You know the interesting thing, when something's becoming a ruin, one of the first things that happens when the dust is falling around it is that the color of that thing gets covered. So that thing that was full of color, whether it was a person or a place or a space or a community, when there's ruin and the dust falls, the color gets covered over and it becomes monotone. And the God colors can't be seen anymore. And I think this morning, possibly the Holy Spirit, hopefully, is prompting us that if there are areas of our lives within this church collectively or individually where our lives have been shrouded in, whether it's just a single layer or whether you're knee-deep in ashes and dust, this morning we're going to shake them off. And we're going to find and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the God colors of our lives. Because when the God colors are truly released then this body, the bride of Christ, our individual lives, you know what happens? We start to develop these beautiful little oases, these little sanctuaries all over the city, whatever you do, as a doctor, as a nurse, as a teacher, in construction. Wherever you are in the office, you can start, the God color in you can bring to life an oasis, a sanctuary around And that is when the bride of Christ and her potential gets released. And that is when our king gets glorified. If we look at Haggai, let's look at a summary of what God instructed his people to do when they were wanting, when he wanted to rebuild the temple. Now remember the temple, the house of God, is us. Let's listen to his instruction in Haggai. Two times he says in Haggai 1, Verses five and seven, give careful thought to your ways. Another way to say give careful thought to your ways would be to say, take a good, hard look at your ways, at what you do, your comings in and your goings out. Think it over. Get a picture for what you're currently doing and then get a picture for what life in color could really look like in your everyday. Then he says in verse 13, I am with you. You can be confident that as you're rebuilding the house of God in you and around you, you can be confident that he is with you. In verse 14, it says, the Lord stirred up the spirit. The Lord will stir up his spirit within you. You can be confident that you won't do this alone, that rebuilding the house of God, the temple, that rebuilding your life, that shaking off the dust, Removing yourself from the ruins, you won't do it alone. He is with you, and he will stir up his spirit within you. You know, these three things, giving careful thought, knowing that he is with you, and letting his spirit stir up the spirit inside of you, these things lead to a revelation of him. 
And you know what's amazing is that when God calls us to action, revelation should always precede any product or outcome or action. Without revelation first, often the action that we attempt will just be empty or hollow. And where does revelation start? Revelation starts in the spirit, in our minds, and in our hearts. Justy on Instagram this week, he shared a beautiful scripture from Ephesians 4.23. Now it's time to be made new by every revelation that's been given to you and to be transformed as you embrace the glorious Christ within you as your new life and live in union with him. As a Christ follower wanting to live a life in color, and that's healing, redemption, joy, anointing, power, and wanting to reveal those things to the world around us, it doesn't start within our actions, it starts in our thinking. And that's why in Haggai 1, Haggai encourages the people of God to give careful thought to your actions. What are you doing? Think about what you're doing. That's the revelation of God. And then the second layer to getting a revelation of God and how he wants the bride of Christ individually and collectively to be released into the world. He says, know that I am with you. And the third thing, let his spirit be stirred up inside of you. And that is how the bride of Christ, the temple of God, the house of God gets rebuilt. A revelation of God precedes response and action from us. Haggai 1 verse 14 ends with this. Very simply, once they had the revelation, it says, they came and began to work. In the message version, it says, all the people got moving. He got them working on the temple of God. So they had the revelation. They knew, they had a picture of where they were going, of how the potential of God could be released. And once they had that revelation, they then put it into action. You know, at Kanisa, which is Isizulu for where light comes from, nine years ago, ten years ago when we started, we sat and we gave careful thought to what we wanted to do. What do we want to do? What do we think we could do to offer to the world to bring God's healing and redemption to a community of people who don't often get to experience it? And then we reminded ourselves, God is with us. This sounds outlandish and crazy. We weren't teachers. We were therapists. We didn't know what we were going to do, but we knew that there was a community of people who desperately needed to experience the characteristics of God. They needed to see life in color, and they didn't have life in color. And so we went, okay, we're going to carefully consider what we're going to do. We're going to get a picture for it. Then we're going to remind ourselves God is with us because sometimes Being the bride of Christ to the world can be hard. It's not easy. So we needed to remind ourselves God is with us. And then we let our spirits be stirred up by his spirit. And that has been a daily journey for us every day. Remind ourselves to consider our ways. Where do we want to get to? Remind ourselves he is with us. And then we remind ourselves that his spirit is stirring within our spirits to bring beautiful colors back to this community of people. And now the testimony is, nine years later, as we do this every day, that we have kids at Kinesa. Sage is eight, and he is completely blind, and um, he is now starting to live independently as he learns to use various types of assistive devices and interact with people around him. And then we have Tate. Tate came to us when he was two and a half years old, and he had severe autism 
I remember his um, dad dropped him off on the first day because his mom couldn't cope with bringing him. She was too afraid and too scared. Their life was in ruins. And um, Tate came to school and he, he just screamed and screamed and screamed and screamed. And his dad left him with us and I had to pull his dad down the corridor and say, it's gonna be okay, we'll call you if we need you. And then I thought I'd, his dad had gone and then a few minutes later I saw his dad hiding behind the stair, stairwell, just watching because he was so afraid to leave his son because he had not been able to leave his son with anyone ever because of the behavior manifestations um, and because of various things that he was demonstrating at that stage. Now Tate can repeat to you the life cycle of water. I mean, condensation, evaporation. I mean, I, I don't even know. I've got it on video. It is unreal. His mom now works at Kinesa. She's our administrator. And you know what? Their lives are full of color. The ruin and devastation is gone. Because we gave careful thought to the ways of God. We knew that there was a community of people and people who were living in a state of ruin. We gave careful thought to the ways of God. What is the vision? How can we uncover our potential and the potential of others? We knew that he was with us. And then we let his spirit stir up inside of us. And now we get to see God colors in the lives of people who so many people would just write off seeing the colors of God in our students at Kinesa. I'm seeing the colors of God in our staff team. And you know what's amazing is that they are witnessing it to the world. Yeah. How incredible is Jesus? And then we have Antonio. Antonio has learning difficulties and autism as well. And I um, remember when he came to us, he was absolutely tiny. I mean, he's still tiny. Um, but he was not speaking at all, wasn't interacting Antonio now will come and have a long conversation with you, give you the biggest hugs. He's the most affectionate kid. Absolutely beautiful. His life is full of color. Oyena came to us about 18 months ago. She also has specific and multiple learning difficulties and cerebral palsy. And um, for Oyena, she didn't have, no one had ever really interacted with her. She's actually relocated from the Eastern Cape, her whole family to come to Kinesa, and so she had never really interacted with other children, she didn't have any friends, she basically stayed at home with her gogo every day. And Oyena is the most exquisite little girl, most days I wanna bring her home. And her life, you cannot look at her and not be reminded of the redemption of God. It's like I get to see orange and red and pink on her, because it's a story of the redemption of God as she is finding healing and a home in our community. You know the outcome of having vision and allowing your potential and our potential collectively as the body of Christ to be released. The outcome is that it looks better at the end than it did at the beginning. That's because the presence you were made to carry shines more brightly out of you at the end than it did at the beginning. That's what God wants for us. Haggai has two chapters, chapters one and chapters two. Haggai 2.9 says this, this temple is going to end up far better than it did when it started out. A glorious beginning, but an even more glorious finish. A place in which I will hand out wholeness and holiness. 
decrees the God of the angel armies. This temple, the house of God in the Old Testament, in the New Testament because of Jesus, us. And I don't know about you, but I've had not just the last two or three years, but periods of my life before that, where my life felt like it was in ruins, where I was gray and monotone, felt like there were parts of my life that were in, had been devastated. But you know what his promise to us is that the glory of the temple, us collectively and individually, will be more at the end than it was at the beginning. Isn't that unbelievable? So his promise to you today, right now, is that he has something better for you. There is more of God for you to experience and more of God that he wants to show the community and the world around you through him and through his colors. Won't you guys stand with me? I'm going to pray with you. For those of you who have been living in ruin, if you resonated with those pictures of, of ruin, of, of ashes shrouding around you, or maybe it hasn't been you personally that has experienced ruin, maybe it's been communities around you, parts of your world, and areas of your life, like that lounge room that now have ashes, and dust that cover over them. They're monotone and gray. Jesus, we bring these areas of our life to you, God. We bring our whole selves. God, the body, as the body of Christ, we come before you collectively where we have seen and experienced and possibly have been living in ruin, Jesus. We surrender these things to you. God, where we have used language like my life is in ruin or the city is in ruin or my life has been devastated. God, we, we just acknowledge those things and we know that we can trust you with those things that have been so hard and painful. But oh God, how great are your promises. How great are your promises and your faithfulness, Jesus, that regardless of the extent of the ruin in our lives, God, that you will make the latter glory more than the former glory. We just declare this morning over every area of our lives, Jesus, over mental health, Jesus. Thank you, God that minds will be well, Jesus, that where people have battled with mental health, where they feel like there's no way out, Jesus, I thank you that, that by the blood of Christ, that by your stripes that we are healed and that the latter part of their years will be better than their former. God, just right now, God, I just wanna ask for your oil, the anointing oil of heaven to drip down on us, Jesus, bring healing. God, I want to pray for marriages, Jesus. Just as our very own marriage has experienced and is experiencing greater joy in our latter years and our former, God, we declare that for marriages. God, would you give hope and restoration? 
Jesus, I thank you that you have bold and bright colors for us, Jesus, that you want us to live in color, that you want us to reveal your color to the world. Would you give us vision? God, for where you want to place us, help us to think clearly and well on where you want to place us. Remind us that you are with us and then stir up your spirit so deeply within us, Jesus, that we rebuild God. We rebuild the walls of the temple in this place. God, thank you for life and color. Thank you that life was not supposed to be monotone or dull or drab in any way, Jesus. And where people in this room have believed that for their lives, that it was just one day after the next rolling into each other and that everything was kind of just as it is. God, would you inspire in them now, Holy Spirit, a greater vision for their lives of how you want to use them to reveal who you are. Thank you, God, that every person in this room has a part to play in your divine plan, Jesus. Thank you that that is ordained. Matthew 5, in the Passion Translation, it says this, your lives light up the world. Your lives. Will you guys say this out loud, out loud with me? My life lights up the world. Let's just say it again. My life lights up the the world. Thank you, God, that our lives give color to the world. God, we just remind ourselves, my life lights up the world, Jesus. Thank you, God. God, we love you. Holy Spirit, will you continue to minister to us, Jesus? Remind us, let us see in color, God, and let our lives be bright colors for the communities and cities around us, Jesus, all for your glory. And we pray this in your precious name, Jesus. Everybody said, amen. Amen. We're gonna have some people here that um, if you feel like you'd like some prayer, if you'd like to chat to someone, you're welcome to come to the front. We would love to pray with you um, or offer support in any way that we can. And we love you guys and have a beautiful Sunday, okay?